Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dan Assor Show, supported by show community patrons TF Connect, Tarsus Group, 19 Group, SISO and Smart Digital. This week I spoke with Johnny Edser, MD and founder of Wild Goose Events. Launched in 2003, Wild Goose is an award-winning events company specialising in virtual, hybrid and in-person team activities across the globe. Please check out all of my content on danassor.com and to be notified first about new episodes, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify platforms. Hello, Johnny. How are you? Very good, thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. Lovely to meet you again. Yeah, absolutely. We had a we had a chat before the summer, um, or at least at the start of the summer, and now it's towards the end of the summer. So, um, <laughs> lot, lots lots have gone on in between. So we're going to find Indeed. out a bit about um, a bit more about the business and and uh, where, what you've been up to. Um, but Johnny, just as a quick introduction, um, obviously you're the MD and founder of Wild Goose Events. Yeah. It'd be good to just, if you can just bring, we're gonna talk more about the business, obviously in the journey that it's been on and as yourself as well. Can you just give the listeners and the viewers just an update as to what Wild Goose do, I guess? Yeah, okay, well, we're a, we're a team building business. Um, we are quite unique in that we deliver all of our team activities using technology. So um, whilst we started off as sort of a treasure hunt business using paper and pencil and digital cameras, we now have an app and we use that to deliver team activities um, virtually, hybrid or in person uh, from anything from six people up to a thousand plus people um, all over the world. We've got business in the UK and the US as well. So cool. We, yeah, we work globally 24-7. Thanks for that, Johnny. It's always useful as well for people that are listening, maybe of a, a certain age, uh, who are maybe just starting their careers, um, to understand how you sort of fell into what, what you did. Because if I'm not mistaken, you first started off when I think you came out of university working for Network Rail? Yeah, well, we were, it was Rail Track back then. Rail Track, Back yeah. in the day. Um, and I joined them their graduate scheme. And right. I... What you do in the what you did in the rail track graduate scheme is move around different departments for three weeks here, three weeks there, and just get some good experience. But I found most of rail track quite dull. Um, I love yeah. trains, don't get me wrong, but I'm not an engineer. I'm not really into signalling, timetabling. Yeah. But what I really enjoyed was I spent a bit of time in the events team, yeah. and um, the events team and the PR team were quite closely connected, and uh, I really enjoyed that. I got involved in the annual general meeting at the Barbican at the time it was, and we used to do road shows and all sorts of things like that. So that kind of gave me my first taste of events. And then um, oh, cool. And then I kind of moved into the uh, into the station sort of development side, so we were redeveloping the stations. And I was, my last project was St Pancras International before yeah. it opened again for the Eurostar. So. And did you, I mean, that's, uh, that's interesting. Did you always have a sort of vision for yourself you wanted to run your put, put events aside and what you actually ended up doing yeah. but did you always think after maybe your first in working for somebody that you what you felt you wanted to work for yourself where did that sort of fire and ambition come from to set your own thing um, up well i i found it really hard to work for a big organization like rail track and yeah and a big organization that's a, a bit sort of backward facing as well, the old British Rail Day. So I found it quite yeah. increasingly frustrating working for an organisation like Rail Track. Sure. Um, but my dad ran his own business. Um, okay. He's retired now, but he ran his own business and my granddad ran his own business. And I guess it just felt quite a natural thing to do to 
to be the sort of master of your own destiny and to run your own run your own business and yeah so sort of, i got to a stage where i was thinking i wasn't enjoying my job anymore and i loved events and my wife was working in events at the time yeah um in fact she'd just gone to work at the grove as well and it just opened oh cool yeah and, um we sort of thought you know what let's set up an events business so <laughs> i yeah. quit my perfectly reasonable job yeah um, and i set up an events agency which was designed to do a few different things like dinners and parties and corporate hospitality um remarkable remarkable little strategy looking back on it actually yeah um but at the time house prices were going berserk and it was nearly 20 years ago it was the early 2000s and yeah kind of every year it felt like your house was just sort of going up in value significantly yeah. i thought well worst that will happen is i'll just get another job you know and, yeah um, yeah so i remortgaged my house took some money out against my house and set up a business wow. and that was it so that it, interesting so you just you took the leap sort of thinking that you can always go backwards but yeah. i guess this is an opportunity to set up a business when i guess you haven't have as much responsibility as you might have well, no kids sort of going um, forward yeah and i thought well i could probably i took out a bit of money against my house and that was enough to keep me going for the for the year sure my wife was working so it was like well it felt quite low risk um whereas my dad was my dad was 40 when he set his business up. He had four kids in a mortgage. Now that, right. that takes <laughs> you know, So it's never too late. It's never too late. Never too late. Because, um, yeah, yeah my, um, my dad always wished he'd done it earlier. And I said, well, yeah, dad, but I didn't really know what you know at 40. You know, I wish I knew, yeah. I wish I knew back then what I know now when I set my business up. But yeah. it's, it's pros and cons. So, uh, so yeah, so I set the business up um, with a view that I do all sorts of different events and things. And yeah. Yeah, on day three, first phone call I ever got, my, my phone rang, and someone from T-Mobile was on my website, and they said, do you do treasure hunts? And I said, of course we do. We do loads of them, um, <laughs> and we do them all over the place. Where are you looking to do one? And he said, oh, I want to do one in, in Covent Garden. I said, oh, great, okay. And he said, do you provide digital cameras? So I said, yep, absolutely, we provide digital cameras. You yeah. go around Covent Garden and learn about Covent Garden. You've got to try and do and earn as many points as possible. You know, that sounds fantastic. Can you send me a proposal? So I had to sort of make up a proposal and then, yeah, we'll book it. Can I have a contract? So I had to make up a contract. So it was all proper yeah. shooting from the hip. Um, but I ran that first treasure hunt in Covent Garden for T-Mobile and I loved it because I've always been interested in traveling and history and how cities have changed and grown and evolved. And, sure. and I love that. And uh, it just really appealed to me um so it's um, interesting i guess the lesson there as well is, is just to say yes you know if you feel well, that you've well, got when, yeah when you're <laughs> when you're in the first year of your business you say yes yeah. um yeah. later <laughs> in your life you learn to say no but in, in the beginning you you say yes um I'm working because out you after. need to work and you want to work and actually it's how you find out the bits that you enjoy and what i realized sure. at the end of that year is that i loved doing the team building treasure hunts I didn't care so much for some of the other stuff. Um, so I decided to set up Wild Goose as a separate business, as a separate brand, um, yeah. specifically focused on treasure hunts. Um, my wife thought I was mad, um, but there was no one really doing it very well. All the competitors were all quite, I don't know, they weren't very cool, they weren't very professional looking, their websites were awful. And, um, you know, I thought I'm, I could do better than this. So, um, and for the next 
couple of years, my strategy was just put lots of locations up and then when people booked them, I'd go and set them up. Um, so I traveled the UK and then eventually Europe, writing treasure hunts, researching places, um, <laughs> and having a, a jolly good time. And then when, when my, yeah, I remember my first overseas went into Dubrovnik, I thought, this is, this is brilliant. Someone's paying me to go to Dubrovnik to write <laughs> a team activity and then go out again to run it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was extraordinary. And this is kind of before the days of Google being, I mean, Google was obviously around then, but in terms of the content online was much harder to yeah. find. You had to buy books. You had to do a bit more research. It was a bit more, um, yeah, sort of, uh, it was very different to, to what we might do now. But um, yeah, and that was it really. And then kind of stopped doing everything else and just stuck to wild juice. Yeah. So amazing. And obviously you've been doing that. The business has been going for what, almost 18, 18 years now? Yeah, right? 18 years. Yeah. So yeah. just just from making that sort of one leap of faith, after you left or just before i guess you left network rail to saying yes to that first you know inquiry from t-mobile yeah. to a certain extent obviously sort of lit the lit the touch paper and, and off and away you were um obviously i guess the 18 years we're going to talk about where you're at as a business today and sort of the pivot you've made since the pandemic but over the over the sort of last 18 years of running running your own business um Obviously, I'm assuming the business has sort of changed and evolved and it has to in terms of what people want from it. Um, how have you sort of reacted to changes in the market and sort of, I guess, being ahead of the curve and being able to offer people maybe things different to your competitors and that sort of stuff? Again, if people are yeah. listening in terms of the longevity of running a business and succeeding in that respect, what, what sort of advice would you give somebody? Um, you, you, I kind of always say innovate or die. You know, if you do not, if you just don't continue to evolve and innovate, you'll eventually just get, you know, left behind. And it's my biggest fear is that we don't we, we, we stop being relevant, you know. Yeah. Um it's 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 inexcusable, in fact, in my view. You know, as a business you have to constantly think. I mean, you look at brands that we grew up with that now no longer exist because they didn't evolve, you know. Um, Blockbusters. Blockbusters, <laughs> HM, you know, people didn't yeah. believe in the digital revolution. So, yeah. we, and I knew, I knew my time was coming back in um, about 2008, 2009, when Google was actually getting quite good. I yeah. realised that people could go and sit in the pub and half of the treasure hunt answers they could answer by Googling them because it was all on paper and you could see all the questions. And I was starting to think, right, I've got to think of something different here because people don't need to walk around and explore Cambridge, for example, because they can find all the answers online. I've got to find a better way of doing this. And at that time, I was having my children at similar age to yours, actually, Dan, and they were my first, my daughter was born in 2008 and my son in 2009. And um, yeah. the first thing we launched, actually, before the app was uh, a self-run a self-run acti activity called The Takeaway, which was a self-run treasure hunt that used automated texting. Because I used to get lots of inquiries from people who didn't have very big budgets. Um, and they, they said, oh, can we use your treasure hunt? We just don't need you, you know, which I yeah. quite fence at you know, to start with. But then I saw it as an opportunity. So we developed this texting system and um, and, people, and we started to post out our boxes with these scratch cards and you had to crack a code and text it in to see whether you got it right. And, and it was that was brilliant because in 2008, when the financial crisis happened, we suddenly had a, a budget option. What we realised was that, um, and I think this is relevant for 2022 as well, sure. 
when when it, when economies are a bit uncertain, people still want to do team building. They still want to do activities. They just don't want to spend as much money doing it. So yeah. having options that allow you to cater for um, varying budgets. Oh, that was a, the first lesson I learned was actually having different things. So we we evolved. The timing was great because the crash happened, and actually that first year of the crash, our our profits stayed fairly level because we had a cheap option to offer people. Um, so, and am I right in saying that that was sort of your first foray into, I guess, building your own technology and yeah. levering, leveraging the benefits of technology into your products and creating, I guess, a competitive yeah, advantage? Yeah, we had, we had to get someone to build that because I didn't know. Yeah. I'm not a sure. I didn't know how to do that, but we got yeah. someone to build this texting system because I, I broke my leg playing football in 2007. It got me thinking about how I could run more events without needing more people because right. people go and do things like break their legs, don't they? which is very yeah. convenient <laughs> when you run an events business, um, especially when you're the main person running the event. So, yeah, so that was our first foray. And then we realised actually this opened up lots of other opportunities. And then I met um, one of the dads in our sort of NCT group when I was having my children. And he was a, an IT yeah. guy. Um, you're not meant to be networking. You're not meant to be networking well, during a, in an NCT. <laughs> but I was, I was chatting to him about my business and saying that I want to yeah. build an app. Um, yeah. Smartphones were starting to become more commonplace. The iPad came out in, I think, 2010. Um, and I was like, I think we need an app because we need to have GPS-based questions that you can't unlock until you're in that place because people are going into the pub and googling answers and cheating we need to think about how we can evolve so we built this first app which took about a year um and was quite hard work because i mean you know talking 12 years ago apps were not as good as they are now and uh yeah but i remember we launched it in april 2011 our first app the gps challenge um and um yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a slow burn for six months and then it just took off because tech wasn't very reliable back then. So people were worried about, well, it's, you know, what if it doesn't work? You know? Sure. And and actually it did work and people loved it. And actually you always get those early adopters and then you get like the majority, don't you? Yeah. And then it really sort of took off. And um and that that really opened my eyes because it was like actually this is this is a great new product that yeah. isn't easy to copy. Um and it, it gave us a sort of a, you know, we sort of grew about 40% a year for the next three years. It just gave us a really good boost. Um, yeah. Really helped with the business and gave us a really innovative product that we then started to license because we started to get approached by other team building companies around the world who wanted to use it as well. Um, yeah. So it so, shows, yeah. again, again, you took a risk, uh, which, a risk. Which, which paid off. Yeah, it was expensive. It was... Um, because I looked at license, there was actually one other company I found who did something similar. They're based in Vienna, and I flew out there. Um, but they wanted too much control of my content, and I didn't want that. So I decided sure. to build my own, which took a year, cost me a reasonable amount of money. But um, but yeah, you've got to you've got to speculate when you run a business. You know, you've you've got yep. to take those educated risks. Um, and um yeah it, it paid off it worked yeah so talk to me we're going to sort of get towards present day um talk to me what the business was doing what it looked like its clients the sort of team building events you were running before the pandemic yeah and then sort of what the pandemic meant for you and sort of the change you have to, had to make and, and sort of where when you came out you know how 
how you adapted for the return of in-person. So we we were growing really nicely through the launch of the app. Um, We got to 2016 and we decided to open in America. At the same time, we um, grew quite significant team in the UK. And we were running mainly outdoor GPS team building. That was what we were best known for. Um, And we also were running indoor things. So we had indoor games that we could do in meeting rooms and museums and things like that. So that was was our product. And we would turn up on site. We'd bring a load of iPads. We had about 300 iPads, one iPad per team. We'd do a briefing on stage. Everyone would run off into Budapest or wherever you were. Yeah. For two hours to play the game and then come back and we do the results and show the best photos. And that was kind of what we, we did. And we did it really well. Um, and but by the end of 2018, it's really it was really hard to admit this to myself, but I was starting to fall out of love with the business because I was trying to scale it. And what I realized is you can't you couldn't scale team building in that way. Um I love growth. I love growing businesses is really exciting it presents opportunities for your team it presents new opportunities it continually challenges you um i didn't want to just set up a lifestyle business that i could just plod along for the next 30 years sure. time, sort of thing. so i'm i'm pretty hell-bent on growth um and but i kind of got to the end of 2018 i was thinking all i've done is i've increased my costs massively by growing the team and opening up in america but actually the business has just got significantly more complicated moving people around and all the rest of it and we decided in 2019 to bring more tech in-house and grow the tech capability in the business and build the ability for people to book events online and just take some of the admin out of running events yeah um because we all know how labor intensive and admin heavy events can be um so we're like if we can get people to book it and, and, and really automate or semi-automate that customer journey we should do that. So in 2019, we built a completely new website. Uh, we built a whole new sort of partner portal program, which allowed our, our agencies to book events themselves and manage certain elements of the events themselves. Um, and that was a hard year, 2019, because not all of my team agreed with it. I lost some key people who just didn't really buy into what we were doing. Um, we were all worried about Brexit, weren't we? Because that was really kicking in in 2020. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, little did we know we'd have this uh, pandemic around the corner, which would um, change everything forever, really, for, for many of us. Um, yeah. So we, we went into 2020 with, um, a, uh, with a lot of this tech built, and it was taking a bit longer to sort of get some of the traction on it and get it working. And um, yeah, it was hard. It was a hard, hard year, really hard year of um, change. And you, you, took the, you took the decision to, to build in-house. Yeah, so we built in house because yeah. we and we were really lucky. So my CTO Steve, he's um he's been actually working on our tech for quite a few years, and he was looking for an opportunity to. He was running his own agency with a with another guy who, who did a lot of work with us as well, and we we spoke to him. So why don't you come and join us? Because yeah, you know the product. We these are the plans we've got. We want to really grow the tech side of our business. Um, so we essentially we've sort of absorbed his agency which had four people in the business um and then um yeah so we we, we brought that in house because if, if you're serious about it you've got to do it in house really. yeah you know you, you'll never you'll never move quick enough if you if you outsource it 
is my my belief. Always... Yeah, I mean, especially if you're if you're if you've got a vision to deliver, you know, something that may that obviously is already not out there as an off the shelf product. And yeah. I get I guess you can... our entire business, Dan. Our whole yeah. business is built. Yeah, on so you don't want to be reliable on on a no. on someone else's no. software. So just so you came through the pandemic. Yes. In terms of your offering and how it's offered today compared to uh what are we two years ago or two and a half years ago? Just give me just give me a quick summary of the sort of the so differences. What we learned with, with virtual events, because obviously we went very quickly into virtual events when everything cancelled at the beginning of the yeah. um, and we were lucky that we were able to adapt to that. Um what we learned is that virtual events are very scalable because you don't need to travel, you can jump on at a short notice to run an event and we suddenly found this 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 model that actually worked really nicely for, for clients and for us and we thought actually this is this is brilliant because you can suddenly reach the world everyone in the world is your customer um and we can deliver these for anyone anywhere as long as you don't mind getting up in the middle of the night so yeah when in person started to return I didn't want to go back to how we used to run our, run our events. Um, I didn't want to start sending, sending people, people yeah, yeah. all over the place. I was like, there's got to be, there's got to be another way. Um, I also, we also believe, I believe that as a business, every business has got a responsibility to become more sustainable as well. Yeah. And we were thinking, you know, I mean, I used to run, I've run events in Singapore. I've been in the air more than I've been on the ground. I'm going to flown to yeah. Singapore to run a team building event. Yeah. And then flown back again. And when you actually unpack that, you think that's, that's crazy, you know? Um, people have learned how to use video conferencing. I mean, we're, we're all pros of video conferencing versus 2019. We're all used to using that tech. We don't think anything of it. So, we were like, well, is there, there must be a way of us using video conferencing to, to, to bring our presenters to where the customer is, yeah. explain to them how it works, and then send them off to go and do their events. So even if we're doing a, a, a GPS challenge around Leeds or New York City, we can beam into there and explain to them how the game works. And then yeah. they load the game on their phones and head off to play the game for an hour and a half and then come back for the wrap-up and yeah. results. Um, so we, we took a view that that was what we were going to do. Um, and the difference now for us as a business is um, is it, the opportunity is extraordinary because we now have remote hosts all around the world who are we can book at as little as 24 hours notice. Um, any game, indoors, outdoors. Uh, we've got over... 450 locations now set up for our outdoor games. We're yeah. adding new ones all the time. Um, people can book it all online. You know, 95% of our events are booked. Like, in fact, 100% are booked online and 90, 90% are booked with a credit card. So you can book it online. You can choose your location and, it, and it's all set up and automated. So we now have this sort of end-to-end -end solution um, that's easy for clients to book at short notice, um, that's sustainable. We've got really great availability our capacity is almost limitless because um you know we, we can we can bring someone whereas in the past if you ran an event in toronto you'd have to have someone in toronto to yeah run. so yeah. give me yeah bring that bring that to life to me if you can you i don't know if you can give us some examples of uh, a client uh, 
I don't know if you can mention the brand or just give us a uh, flavor of what they've done. So if you've got, let's say there's someone listening to this sitting in the States, right? And they want to, yeah. they want to do a team building event. Yeah. Give us, um, give us an example of the types of events and how you would deliver it virtually. Yeah. Uh, so, so we, what was what, the real penny drop moment for me when I realized that this could really work was when we had a client who was a bank in New York. Yeah. They wanted to do an event in Central Park, a GPS challenge around Central Park. So they'd go around different hotspots to unlock questions and challenges, earning points. Yeah. Um, Paul, my colleague in Egham, in just outside London, and Rachel, my colleague in Chicago, beamed in via Zoom to their phones. They watched the briefing on their phones in Central Park. They then loaded the game, played for an hour and a half, and then jumped back into the video call for the wrap-up and results. And then they went for lunch. And right. I remember thinking that wouldn't have happened three years ago. People would sure. have laughed at us if we suggested that three years ago. So what we now do is we, yeah, people get us up on their, a screen in a meeting room or they look around a laptop um, on their plasma TV in their office and they link into the video call. Our live presenter jumps in, explains the game. They get into teams of four to six people, download a game, and then they either, it could be a game that they play in, in the office. It could be one of our high energy sort of, challenge-based games, or it could be um, a tabletop game, like an escape game or a murder mystery, or they can yeah. head outside into their city to do okay. this challenge. Um, they, they're supported throughout. We're online. We can message them through the app. They can jump into the video call to mm. talk to us. We're scoring their photos and videos, answering their questions if they've got any questions. And then we do the wrap-up and results. So we're offering a two anything up to two, two-and-a-half-hour activity. Um, but it's 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 so much more flexible for the client because yeah. book it at short notice anywhere um it's 60 percent. the price is 60 percent less than what it was pre-pandemic yeah um seven or more days before they can change the date because we haven't booked flights or accommodation they can change the date or time and at no charge yeah um and it's carbon neutral because we offset all the CO2. sure which we're going to talk about in a second i mean yeah. just just to finish up until team building and, and obviously building a culture in a company obviously more and more you know companies have still got a hybrid way of working or mm. they didn't renew their leases on offices during the pandemic uh so i guess and funnily enough i've just come off the back of a of doing a quiz with the company i'm at at the moment yeah. Uh, it was just done internally, just a short sort of half an hour. But they they did that. They started doing it during the pandemic when no one was in the office. We're now three days a week, so they've continued to do it. Right? It's a small bit smaller business. They haven't outsourced it, but the, the concept's still the same. Yeah. Um. So I guess you know, team building games, just virtually with companies that have got several satellite offices either in the same uh, country or in different companies. I guess of yeah, because people tried to do it themselves. I guess at the beginning of the pandemic, I'll do a yeah. quiz, this, that, and the other. So now it's, I guess, come to the fore even more as part of the you know opportunity to build a team and instill a culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, we when we were all in the office most of the time, you naturally found that relationships formed. People spent time with each other. You maybe go to the pub on a Friday. You you'd have natural opportunities for team bonding, which happened more organically whereas yeah as people work more flexibly more remotely on different time zones actually getting people together becomes really important because it's not going to it's not likely to happen in, a, in such a natural way as when you're all together and i think that's sure. why you know the pandemic 
we were kind of all forced into virtual yeah. events. But actually, you know, it's still 35% of what we do is virtual events because there's still global teams who've suddenly gone, well, actually, yeah. we, can, we can connect on a Friday and do a fun thing together. We can do something on a monthly basis. Um, and it's it's good. It's getting us to talk. It's getting us to work together. It's getting you know people from different teams to to mingle and, and in that way that they would never mm. have done before. And then for those people back going back to hybrid working, you can still go a few weeks where you don't see someone, even though you're going back to the office twice. Yeah, yeah. The person yeah. you work with goes in and on different days, and yeah. if they work in a team that you don't naturally um, you don't naturally deal with. You can go weeks or months without really having much to do with that person, but you might actually have lots in common, or you might actually become you know, build a really good work friendship, or you can build that trust between each other. And rather than just being a name on a list, you become a person. You you build that. That's how you build culture. And sure. And, and it's I think what's what's changed is it's, it's become <clears throat> a lot more accessible and easy to do that because virtual events has introduced us. To a way, yeah, people are used of, to it as well of doing that. And I know yeah. we all got we all got a bit sick of virtual events over, over yeah. the pandemic. I mean, we all had our our fill, and we we're not surprised that we've seen a, a big swing back to in person. But I do believe it, it continues to play a role in the yeah. in the event mix. I mean, like I yeah. say, it's still a third of what we're doing are virtual events, yeah, um, because it still yeah it still fits fills a gap. Sure. Um, Talk to me about the sustainability piece. Yeah. Because I'm going to play devil's advocate here, right? And I'm yeah. not, this is not just at your business, but generally. Yeah. So obviously you read a lot about people saying, you know, I've got, I'm going for carbon neutral and uh, my products, uh, you know, it's sustainable and it's good for the environment. Uh, the cynic might suggest, well, that's just an obvious byproduct because, you know, you've got a virtual product. And so you can then say, well, you know, it's carbon, you know, it's good for you to use me because, um yeah. it reduces emissions and all this sort of stuff talk to me about your journey on sustainability and why it's sort of uh i guess yeah. an authentic um tenant running through your business yeah so we uh, like many people we obviously we we're all forced to work from home um yeah. we did have an office in london um which we which we leased um we had a space in in america that we was a shared workspace and again we leased um both of those agreements expired in the first in 2020 and we decided not to renew them um we decided that a remote as a remote first organization um, that made sense for us it allowed us to rebuild our team um during the pandemic uh, and, and, and employ people anywhere so that was the first step uh, we then realized that actually running events virtual events was incredibly um carbon efficient um it was you know, carbon the, the CO2 emissions were massively reduced from not bringing people together. Yep. Um, and we it also made it a much simpler business to sort of calculate your carbon emissions. So actually, there's a fairly sort of industry standard as to what someone working from home uses in terms of grams of CO2 on an hourly basis. So we basically look at how many people are on our events. We calculate that by um, the amount of time and that generates the amount of CO2 that we, we generate as a business running our events in the way that we run them. Yeah. Um, so we've not only reduced the carbon, because that's always the first step, is what can you reduce? And what you're left with is what you kind of need by your business. You then offset that. So I agree. I mean, it's, 
it's easy to be quite cynical, I think, about yeah. about um, sustainability and people being carbon neutral. But for us, it's it's been a conscious choice. Um, we've consciously resisted going back to uh, how we used to run events because that would have been, we don't believe that's the right thing, A, for sure. our business, but B, yeah. for, from a sustainability perspective. So when people are booking a team activity, they've got a choice. They can book an activity yeah. in an organisation that fills up vans full of kit, drives up the M1, um, gets on a plane and flies somewhere and sets loads of kit up and transports 10 members of staff on airplanes and they do a, a team, team building activity. Um, or you could use a business like us that doesn't do any of that bit and you can still get together, but we will just beam in and we'll run it and we won't produce the waste, the sure. CO2 emissions to deliver that. Um, there's merits to both. I'm not here to preach that one is better than the other, but people have got that choice. The, the flip side, the, 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 the lovely thing about what we're doing as well is that our prices are significantly lower. So whereas yeah. being green usually costs more, being green with us costs less. Um, and I love that about it because yeah. if I genuinely think that most people would do the right thing from an environmental perspective, if it was cheaper, the problem is, is buying environmentally friendly food products generally costs more. And then you always have that, that, that challenge don't you, between doing the right thing, but it's going to cost me more and I have to make compromises for my monthly budget. Sure. Whereas what we're saying is we found a great solution. We've got, carbon neutral solution that costs less so for me it makes business sense it makes sense in terms of where we're going as a journey um but for the customer it gives them a choice yeah and out of interest are the customers telling you are they coming to you for that reason is it a, just a, a useful byproduct have they're you not, seen them yeah they're not necessarily coming to us for that reason although we're getting better at telling people yeah. about about yeah. it um but when we when we tell people about our approach and why we do it, they generally like that. They go, sure. yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. That's, that's brilliant yeah. because actually that's important yeah. to us. Yeah. And, and our job and big job of mine is to make sure as a business we're spreading that message a bit better. Um, we're, we're partnering up with organizations who also have a green agenda um, because invariably I think it's the biggest, you know, now the pandemic has, subsided in terms of obviously it's been mm. the big thing for two and a half years it's now going to be about the environment every one of us has to change what we do if we're going to hit our targets as a as a global community yeah it's an interesting one though isn't it johnny because with, with the sort of cost of living crisis energy prices um you know ultimately people will look after you know yeah. number one and their family first and possibly um, you know, the, the direction of travel with regards to the environment and the cost to the consumer might now come second for a period of time. And you know, this is, it's where, scale, this is yeah. where scale comes in because when you get scale and you get critical mass of any yeah. product, you drive the price down. Yeah. And the minute it becomes more cost effective, sure. people will follow that. And sure. we're at that point now. You know, we're, yeah. we're, our product is at that point. You don't have to make that compromise on price to do our sure. activity. Um, okay, so um, just give us a sense of what's what's coming up for you guys. What, what does the future hold? I know you, you know you, you have a, a number of clients on a, a 
guess an annual pass or a subscription model yeah is that are you going down that route more what what's where, where do you see you're going to be developing your technology what's what's the future hold for while yeah we're, we've um we've just launched a couple of interesting products because we've got um we've now got icebreakers which are under 30 minutes so okay you know sort of beaming into meetings and conferences to run a 30 minute activity um is now something we can do um, which we could struggle to do before, so that's that's been a great evolution. And actually, we're running icebreakers without our without our app. What we've recognised is the routes to market that we've built for our website, where you can go on and book an activity. Actually, we've got some amazingly talented uh, hosts, and actually, we can bring those into your meeting to run a session, which doesn't need to use any technology; it just it uses yeah. their skills as a presenter. So that's a really interesting space for us because that opens up lots of other possibilities um and we're we're expanding the product range and i think where we really want to be is looking at how we can become more and more integrated into businesses on a more regular basis so if you go back to pre-pandemic people might have done a team building activity once or twice a year with the pandemic people were maybe doing it once or twice a month the challenge now is how do you get people doing team activities to build culture on a weekly basis, you know, um, and that's not delivering events in the in the guise that they're in now. It's looking at how can you evolve the product so you can do small five minute completely frictionless interventions with people um, that actually makes Wild is part of how you build your culture and develop your teams within an organisation. So we're putting a bit of sort of R and D time into that, sure. moment, which is interesting because I think it's you know as we. <clears throat> As the world evolves, as we become more and more flexible around work and remote, um, we've got to think about continually how do you evolve that company culture? How do you keep building relationships? And once or twice a year isn't good enough. It's not enough. It needs to be more regular than that. Um, with that, it's got to become more affordable. So it's all about driving the price down. That comes through automation, using technology. So yeah, it's, it continues to, fascinate me and excite me so you're still you're still enjoying it here's to another 14 years yeah i'm loving it <laughs> i'm loving it more than i've ever done because i think i can see the potential of it now um yeah and i think it's um i think i think it's our time i think sure. this time is is a time for our sorts of businesses to yeah to help organizations as they evolve and change how they work and i think that's that's exciting. Like going back to my earlier point, you you want to always be relevant, don't you? You always want to feel like you've got a relevant place in your market and that you're an industry leader. And I feel sure. I feel we're in that place, which is exciting. Good. So I'm going to say to everyone listening that if they're interested in speaking to you and uh, hearing more about the um, activities that they can do with their staff, yeah. they can head to wearewildgoose.com. That's the one. Uh, and obviously look you up on LinkedIn as well. So listen, um, Johnny, thank you so much. Johnny Edser, MD and founder of Wild Goose Events for your time today. We wish you the best of luck in the future. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me.